Welcome to the Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Good evening, Will. How you doing, Gabe? Doing great. All right, brother, I'm going to let you kick it off tonight. Sounds good. Welcome, guys. This is episode 14. Uh, We are excited to just continue in this journey with this podcast, and we're glad that you're here with us. We're just excited to see what the Lord is going to do through it. We pray that he will use it to draw you closer to him. And as Gabe and I were just praying before we started this, we are uh, we're enjoying getting to know each other through this and, and just pray that the Lord would also use the podcast in our lives to draw us closer to him. So we've been talking again about what we need to do next and where we feel led by the Lord to go. And uh, just a, a practical question that I think certainly Gabe and I dealt with is, you know, how will the death of my child affect my spiritual life and my marriage? And what can I do about that, if anything, to try to make a positive outcome more likely than a a negative outcome? So the first thing that I think is, is pretty obvious, but Gabe and I just want to state it is like, after you lose a child, things are never going to be the same again. There's, there's no like going back. You can't, rewrite history and just go back as if you never had a child, your wife was never pregnant and you're never going to be able to not feel that loss. It's not something that you're going to get over. And really, if you're hung up on trying to get back to who you were before you lost your child, it's possible. It's not, it's not a sure thing, but it's possible that you'll end up not dealing with the death of your child because you're really just trying to numb your pain or, or ignore your pain and make it go away because life was easier than it was when you didn't have a child and then you didn't lose that child and you had to deal with your grief. So that's a, it's a natural thing. I think Gabe to not want to feel pain anymore. Uh, sure. humans are pretty pain averse people, but, uh, I think that's an important thing to just say right off the bat is your life's not ever going to be the same as it was before you had that child and that changes you. And I think that's a good thing. We'll get into that, but it's a good I'll, thing that yeah. it changes you. And I want to jump in there and just say that it is a good thing. Like say that it changes you. I know that doesn't seem right. It's if somebody's new to, to this podcast or, or your loss is very fresh. Um, but it, you know, if you lose a parent, you lose a grandparent, you know, you, there's, you're never going to be the same without them in your life either. You know, it's just, it's, it's a different kind of situation when you lose your child uh, than a parent because it's not the natural order of things. Um, and, it, but it's okay that you're not going to be different because you're going to grow through this. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the point that we want to try to help, help you understand is that we, we also want to help you grow through this so that you don't get stuck and, we, and you don't get hung up on thinking, okay, I'm going to get back to a normal because it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be normal. Now, people around you, they're going to think that life is normal. They're going to be like, oh, you had a kid, and now you don't. It's just like before when you didn't have a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the same person. Let's go out and do this or that, or let's talk about this or that. But deep down, you're going to, you know that, man, things are just not the same. And so um, you got to, like, give people a little bit of a grace there, I think, mm-hmm. because they're going to be acting like, stuff is the same and different and but it's not as different Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely have an episode in the future about like how to help someone else through their grief and and if you're a friend of someone going through this and you want to help them, I think we'll do our best to to try to put together like what did we want to hear, what do we think would have been helpful and try to give you some advice there. But like Gabe said, you know, it's a good thing that you're changed by the loss of your child because generally humans are changed more by something that is significant to them that changes in their lives. If you, if you have $10 and you you're making $50,000 a year and you lose that $10, it's not good, but it's unfortunate. But when you have a child and you you have all these hopes and these dreams and these plans for this child and what your life's going to be like with this child. And, you know, you're imagining, at least I was imagining, you know, five years, 10 years, 18 years out and what the child's going to be like, you know, what's his personality going to be all these different things that you can do together. And then you lose that. You're not losing $5, $10. You're losing a part of yourself. You're losing something that's so significant that you can't ever get that back. Even if you have more children, you're not, and they're not replacements for this child. And you know, it's, it's something that if you didn't care, if you didn't love that child, you would be pretty much the same as you were before. It, it would be like you lost five or $10. So I think by feeling that grief, it's, it's proof and it's evidence that you love that child, that you had those hopes and those dreams. And I think that's, that's good, obviously that you, you love that child and it's a, it's a natural human emotion to feel grief when you lose something that you care about. So even though that's something that is good, that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it feels good. Um, resting or sitting in your grief, is a normal thing is something you know it, it could be a week for you it could be six months it could be whatever period of time after the loss of your child that you're just wiped out and it's a hard thing to pick up the pieces and, and get back on the horse or whatever metaphor you want to use and start working towards moving forward and, and processing through your grief and making something positive come out of that loss of your child but the danger in just resting is that like the longer that you're staying still in your grief the easier it can be to continue stuck in that spot for your grief so i think there's many ways that you can move forward after the death of your child but the right way and the good way according to the message of the bible is to try to draw closer to god and draw closer to your wife and really that's, that's all you need to do. I know that, that sounds easy to say, draw closer to God, draw closer to your wife and things will be good. But everything else in your life will fall into place if you're able to successfully pursue the Lord and pursue your wife and to make those relationships better. Everything else, your attitude, your, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your living children, everything else will find its place and sort itself out if you're able to do those things. And I want to back up just a little bit, you know, because you talked about, ex like, uh, what would you say, resting or sitting in your grief is normal for a time. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, like, we have to allow ourselves to experience those emotions. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're not a man. Uh, it, we That's a part of 
the human emotion spectrum that we all are designed to feel and experience. If you don't feel sadness over a loss such as this, there might be something biochemically or neurologically or psychologically, you know, like not stirring the Kool-Aid with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Like even if we look at, you know, the toughest man ever to live, and I'll say that's Jesus because of what he endured on the cross and the punishment he took for our mm -hmm. place, you know, multiple times in the Bible, like it's given an account where he, he wept, right? He felt grief, you know, he felt mm -hmm. grief over his friend Lazarus' death. He felt grief over how Jerusalem, you know, would not turn to him. Mm -hmm. And and the Bible says, you know, Jesus wept. So he felt grief. He experienced grief. He experienced, you know, pain physically, mentally, spiritually, socially, uh, emotionally. And that's okay, but he didn't stay there, mm -hmm. right? He, mm -hmm. he got up and he moved on and... So we need to give that grief a time to experience, to experience it, for it to settle. And then we have to figure out, okay, how do we deal with this and how do we move forward? Not that we're not grieving ever again, but that we're moving forward even though we may be still having some of those sad emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point you bring up. Um, grief is good. You know, like you said, feeling those emotions um, proves that you're a normal person and you have normal emotions and normal emotional responses. And uh, if we didn't, like you said, there may be something wrong and that's not something we can help you with on this podcast. There's, uh, there are certainly people out there that can help with that. But, uh, you so, know. Yeah, getting back to what you were saying yeah. man, about draw closer to God and draw closer to your wife. I love that. Mm -hmm. So let's flesh that out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, the only, the good way, the right way that we believe from the Bible to deal with your grief is to draw closer to God and the best thing about that is that you're not doing it alone. You don't have to do it alone. And I think that's an important thing. As a man, uh, at least I know me, maybe not all men, uh, it's you like to do things alone. You like to do things by yourself, not because you're antisocial, you don't want to be around people, but because you know you feel big or you feel strong or you feel like you have power or you can you're not weak, like you said, you know, there's there's maybe a sense for some men that if you admit that you're sad, if you admit that you're stuck and you can't get your way out of this feeling of loss and helplessness, then you're not a man. But a true man, like you said, Jesus is the true man. And he wept over the loss of a friend. He was grieved multiple times. So Jesus didn't say, I'm the best man, the strongest man. I'm just going to hold all my emotions inside and just get myself through everything like in the garden of Gethsemane he prayed to the Lord and talks about how his sweat was as much as blood it was he was sweating so much because he was so grieved over what he had to go through and that's not a man that's like hey things might be bad but I'll get through it I'm tough I don't have to experience emotion so if if it's good enough for Jesus I think it should be good enough for us to show emotion so that's just an important thing to say right off the bat is you can't white knuckle your way through this. You need to talk to someone else. You need to open up and, you know, whoever that is, if that's a friend, if that's your wife, if that's a pastor, a counselor, a support group, something that Gabe and I had talked about originally before we started this podcast was that, you know, maybe there was a chance we could start some sort of support group or a network for guys in this experience, going through this experience 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's just something to say is uh, you need to be talking to somebody. And, as, as long as it's not another woman. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was I was getting to that, but I'm glad you bring that yeah. up. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's never a good idea is to, to go to another woman who has been through this, has not been through this, whatever. Yeah, nothing to, to quote a pastor friend of mine. Nothing good comes from an intimate relationship with another woman if you're married. So, like we said, you know, you need to draw close to the Lord. And that sounds good, sounds easy, but how do you do that? And I think the most important thing at the beginning is, where does your help come from? If I can't do this alone, where does my help come from? And I think we can go right to Psalm 121, where the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. There's a lot there, but... The several images he uses there is just to say that God's got you. God is your help. He's someone that you can call out to. He is the shade on your right hand. He's the sun. The sun will not strike you by day, the moon by night. So he's protecting you from the elements. He'll keep you from all evil there in verse 7. And the Lord keeps your going out and your coming in. And that's they use that phrase several times in the Bible. It's like you're going out to war or you're going out to do something and when you're coming back in and you're resting. And so like just from that, it's God's got you and he's there for you. He's not, as we said before, this ethereal floating vapor who just gave life to everything in the universe and then left. Like he cares. He wants to be there for you. And he is a personal God who will be there and will be intimate. And so David speaks repeatedly in the Psalms he wrote, how God is his help, his refuge, his comforter. And if you know anything about the story of the Bible, you know that David didn't just get anointed to be king, go to his palace and sit around and have servants with him all day long. Like David did not live a charmed life at the beginning. He uh, went through a lot. He was being hunted by Saul, who was the king. And David was anointed and Saul knew that. And Saul wanted to kill him. There's stories of how he flees to the Philistines and all this different stuff. And he's like, his whole life is turned upside down. He has to live on the run. And then once he becomes king, there's discontent. And some of his sons want to take over his throne. And Absalom overthrows David, takes over Jerusalem, and he kicks him out. And then he's hunting him and trying to kill him. And so David didn't live this charmed life where it's like, okay, I, I come to the Lord because my life has been easy. But he comes to the Lord in the midst of his trials and his troubles and his pain. In Psalm 54, verses 1 through 4, David says, O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. So just there, the Lord is the upholder of my life. That, that sounds like somebody that wants to help you, Gabe. Like, I'm not upholding a guy I don't like or I don't want to help. So that's something that we can just cling to that David probably went through 
every struggle that you're going to go through in your life and maybe worse I don't, i've never had a son be born and then take my throne and hunt me and try to kill me so and, i imagine and david a, had a son that, that died mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. we can't forget that either yeah. right so this guy yeah yeah and that's a yeah that's a there's a lot of truth to that the first son with bathsheba that mm -hmm. uh, that was lost and, and david that's something we'll probably get into another podcast that david says that he will go to see his son so that's that's a cool little a little spoiler for the next time we'll talk about that that that's kind of that's one of the evidences that that children will go to heaven and i think it's important to mention here too that sometimes you know we and other folks when they see evils in the world people losing kids genocide uh, malnourishment human trafficking you know the list can go on of all these atrocities that happen or even natural disasters you know they'll look at those and think God's not good. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they'll think. But when we look at the scripture, like the ones that you just read, we see, well, wait a minute, these these sound like a really good God, mm -hmm. you know, right here. You know, and so that's what we've got to remember is we've got to take the totality of scripture and even weigh what has happening in the world, not to only us personally, mm -hmm. but just in the world as a whole. And then we have to weigh that with what does scripture say? Right, and scripture says that the overall arching theme is that God loves you. Mm -hmm. He loves you so much that he took the punishment that you deserved through mm -hmm. the cross of Christ mm -hmm. and gave us a way to, to know him forever and live with him forever in heaven. Like mm -hmm. that is a good God. That's not an evil God, that's not a mean God, that's not a you know, that is a God that, that loves you. And so even though there are all these bad things happen, like your loss of your child or whatever else bad or evil or tragic that we might point to in the world, we, we've got to remember that that one thing or those many things do not, we can't let those things define who God is. We have to mm -hmm. let him define who he is and we have to let his word define who he is. And we have to remember that we cannot understand, you know, all of his plans mm -hmm. and that sometimes we have to just trust that he knows what he's doing, even if we don't know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And again, we look to the scripture to, to give us that actual guidance and understanding that God is a loving God. God's on our side. He's got our back. He wants to uphold us. He's our friend. Mm -hmm. And that's who we can always turn to in our times of trouble and distress and that's what this psalm is trying to help us understand. Mm -hmm. And even speaking to that too, David has psalms, some of the the darker psalms that that almost come from a place of despair, is when David is saying, "I'm surrounded by enemies on every side, and God, you haven't saved me yet. You haven't, as I said here in Psalm 54, vindicate me by your might." There are psalms where David's writing and saying, "Like God, why have you turned your face from me? Why are you not?" showing up and I, I think that's a natural thing for us to look at the world and see that it's it looks broken to us and there's a lot of hardship and evil out there but i think we can take a cue from david there that when you see that you don't curse god and say oh okay well even if you do exist you're not someone that i want to worship i think if you have a relationship with the lord you come to him when you're struggling with the evil in the world, with the evil in your life, with whether he's good or not good, you come to him and you say, God, 
help me through this. Help me see how you're working through the loss of my child, through a genocide, through racism, through this and through that. And like, we need to take a cue from David there. We just need to take a cue from David when he is weak and when he does pray in the Psalm 54 and 121, we need to pray for strength to draw close to the Lord to make it through each day. And like we said, not white knuckle it, but realize that our help comes from God. So we need to ask, we need to seek him. And I, I know for me, Gabe and I were talking about this before the podcast, prayer can, especially as a non-Christian or as an, a beginning Christian when you're when you're still new to that relationship but even sometimes when you're you are a seasoned believer and you have had a relationship with the Lord for a long time prayer can sometimes seem like an insignificant thing and I know that might sound blasphemous but as a human I know for me especially before I was a Christian even though I was raised in a Christian home as we talked about before there's a lot of times where I just felt like, like, what is prayer? You know, like, how does this help? I close my eyes and I think I'm talking to God now. I'm talking to this guy in the ceiling, in the sky, in the heavens, whatever. And it just feels like, like you're doing nothing. And I think that's a, an understandable thing for us as material beings who touch things and interact with things and open doors and shake people's hands, I guess not with COVID, but whatever. <laughs> fist bump, uh, yeah, fist bump forever. people. But I think as as material beings, it's understandable that we wonder how are we interacting with this God who doesn't exist in the same material way that we exist. So it's easy for us to say prayer can't do anything or won't do anything. And I think even though that's an easy thing to say, that's something you need to fight against because that's a lie from hell that pushes us away from God and wants us to not go up, go to him. And if we don't go to him repeatedly, we're going to find some way to deal with our pain, our grief. And if we're not going to the Lord, we're going the other way. We're going towards whatever temptations or devices that Satan wants to use to draw us from him. So we need to remember that even when it feels like we're not doing anything, we're not accomplishing anything, prayer is our way of talking to our Heavenly Father. And talking to Him is a way of getting to know Him, of not letting Him get to know us because He knows everything about us, but showing Him that you care about Him, you care about His opinion, that you desire to spend time with Him and hear from Him to know how he wants you to react in a certain situation. And I think that's a pretty intuitive thing for it should be, hopefully, maybe it's not for all guys, should be an intuitive thing that like, if you want to get to know someone, you need to talk to them. And you don't have to have huge in-depth conversations with your wife, with, with who she was before you were married, when you were dating her, and you don't have to sit down and have these conversations about the meaning of the universe and where you're coming from and all this, but just to sit down and open up yourself and your life and your heart to your wife is something that you did hopefully before you got married and you built that relationship in the same way. That's something that you have to do to have your relationship with God is you, you have to nourish it. And that's something we'll get into probably not in this episode, but in this little mini series here, tackling the subject is the importance of spending time with God. 
Do you have anything to say about that before I go to the next point there? Gabe? Yeah, I mean, I just said I think that's that's crucial. Like we have to spend time with him and in prayer, and um, you know, just as as I would not expect, my wife would not ex- would not think that we're having a good relationship if we never talk. Mm-hmm. Um, most wives would would not feel that way, and. In the same way, we, we shouldn't think that we're having a, a good relationship with the Lord if we never communicate with Him, mm-hmm. you know. And so, how do we communicate with Him? It's through prayer, and it's through reading His Word, you mm-hmm. know, and it's through being quiet and listening. You know, prayer is not just us talking, prayer is also us listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think on prayer, I think it's something that we do need to note that God isn't a genie. He doesn't exist just to wait until you pray for something and then make it happen and Everything's great. And excuse me, you can't pray for strength or nearness to God or a perfect relationship with your wife. And all of a sudden you see this instant change and everything's great and your life is charmed. So we just need to, to think about that when we pray that we shouldn't be praying selfishly in the sense that we shouldn't approach God like, God, I just bought this lottery ticket. I need you to, to make it the winning one. And if I win $200 million, I'll give $100 million to the church. Like that's just, that's that's something else we could get into later. That's, that's a bit more than this subject, but God isn't this person who will give you what you want and then he'll hide when it's inconvenient for you and you want to go and look at this website you shouldn't be looking at and you want to embezzle from your company and you want to do this, you want to do that. And he's just like, okay, cool, I'll, I'll hang out until you need me. So that's that's not who God is and that's not what prayer is. And on the subject of like not getting instant change out of prayer, I, I like this quote from C.S. Lewis in uh, his book, Mere Christianity. He says, you must ask for God's help. Even when you have done so, it may seem to you for a long time that no help or less help than you need is being given. Never mind. After each failure, ask forgiveness, pick yourself up, and try again. Very often what God first helps us towards is not the virtue itself, but just this power of always trying again. And I think that's an important thing to remember. I know it was for me when I first became a Christian and I I tried to be diligent in my prayer life and in my time with the Lord is when you start praying, something that, that Gabe and I were talking about again before the podcast, it's like having a desire to spend time with the Lord isn't something, at least for me, that just instantly shows up and I just want to spend all my time all day long praying and and looking into the Bible and, you know, listening to more sermons. But that's something that I had to pray for. And when I first prayed, God, give me a desire to know you more, to build a deeper relationship with you. To be honest, it didn't really feel like anything changed, probably for weeks at least a, a week, two weeks, three weeks. And it's through continuing to choose and to make a choice to pursue the Lord, to do a quiet time, to talk to him again, talk to him when you're struggling, talk to him when you're having a great day, you know, whatever it is, that's where you start to see, oh, I prayed for this and I failed. Lord, forgive me, help me next time and continue that process and I think that's and that what quote there is, is very biblical in that you think about Jesus set talk, giving the example of the 
the guest or the neighbor that keeps coming over to his neighbor's house and is like, hey, I got some, I got some people here that are visiting me. I, can you give me some bread? Because I need to feed them. And the dude's like, man, leave me alone. You know, I'm trying to sleep. And then the guy comes back. Hey, buddy, I really need some food to help with my with my friends here. Can you can you spare some some something to eat? And he's like, man, leave me alone. I'm gonna sleep. My, my my family's in bed. Get out of here. And the guy comes back again. And finally, the guy gets up and's like, here, here's some bread. Quick comment. And mm-hmm. you know, Jesus is like, why did the man finally get out of bed and give this dude what he's asking for? He's like, because it was persistence. You know, it was persistence. And so he's encouraging us to be persistent in prayer you know mm-hmm. like we don't just ask once and then and then you know give it up necessarily unless we realize oh that's a dumb prayer you know like if you're like god i need a lamborghini you yeah. probably don't need a lamborghini just don't pray that prayer again, yeah. right? but, or if you're praying for a sin which i think is hopefully an obvious thing not to do but if you're married and you're like praying lord it'd be great <clears> if you would let this other girl in the office notice me because she's really cute. Then oh, yeah, man. you should probably stop praying for that and not expect God to give you that bad thing. Yes. Amen. Right. And, and again, and likewise, if you're praying to help you have, you know, some joy because you're, because mm-hmm. you're in such grief right now, if you're praying for God to give you, you know, some peace because you feel like your life's in turmoil and chaos, or if you're praying um, that, that God will help you to, to get over this hump because you're stuck, you know, in this in this bad spot after your loss. Like, keep praying that prayer, you know, keep praying, and God's going to answer that, and we, we know He's going to answer that because He cares for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a that's a good point to have out there that God cares for you. We spent five six episodes. In our last little series talking about how God is good, how God cares and God loves us. And God says, or Jesus says in, I believe it's Matthew uh, 6, he talks about how God cares for the meek and for the for the hurting, for the, the homeless and for the widows. And he cares for the birds and he close the flowers and so if god cares about all those things if god cares about flowers and birds then god certainly cares about you and he wants to hear when you pray to him so you don't have to think that i've been praying about this thing for six months or a year and a half or whatever and it hasn't happened yet so god doesn't care i think it's it's true from what we know in the bible that if you don't for one, you may not be seeing how God's answered it, and he already has answered it. But if he hasn't answered you yet, it's because he knows and his sovereignty and his knowledge that what you're asking for isn't something that you need right then. And he'll give it to you when you need it. And that's a it's a tough thing to accept. But if you're a parent to a child, I've got a five-month-old, so I haven't quite gotten to that point yet. But if you're a parent of a child, I would imagine what gave over two, over one and a half, you should realize the concept of sometimes humans ask for things that would be bad for them if they got them right then. And if your child asks you for whatever it is, for a candy bar, and it's 5.30 and you haven't sat down to eat dinner yet, you're like, okay, I can give him this candy bar, I can give him this ice cream, and He's going to eat. He's hungry because it's time for him to eat anyway. So he's going to eat half the gallon. And then later he's going to be real sick and it's not going to be a pretty picture for anybody. 
you're not going to give them that ice cream right then. That's right. So it's the same principle that if God knows you're asking for this thing that would be hurtful to you, he's not going to give it to you because he loves you. So That's right. It's a, it's a hard thing to accept, I think, but it's a, it's a good truth to know and to hold to yourself when you are feeling lost or alone in your grief and uh, just cling to the Lord and let him draw you closer to him and just be persistent in your prayer. And I think we're running up on the the end of the time we have for this one, Gabe, but I I just want to say thank you guys for being a part of this podcast. It's been cool to see how the Lord's working through it. And uh, I've really enjoyed doing the research and uh, reading in the Bible and trying to keep up with the social media. So if you're, if you're hanging on the social media stuff and it's not to your uh, satisfaction, then you can blame me for that because I'm a social media newbie, I guess, in the sense of running a page. But uh, we're just looking forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do with this, and we're really enjoying it. So if you want to reach out to us, if you want to send us some encouragement or some criticism, either one would be appreciated, then just reach out to us on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And uh, you can find us on all of those by searching Lost Boys to Found Fathers. And uh, if you can't find it from there, then, uh, like I said, I'm a social media newbie, so there's not a lot else I can do for you. But, uh, Gabe, if you would take us out, I appreciate it. sure will, man. And in the next uh, episode, we'll be continuing this discussion. We're going to get into um, how having discipline in your life Mm is good for you uh, during this difficult time that you're experiencing right now. And we're going to continue that discussion. So make sure you check that out as well. And I'm going to close this out by reading some of that, uh, that verse that we'll just mentioned in Matthew six. It's uh, Jesus speaking, Matthew six, 25 he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So again, thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you follow Lost Boys to Found Fathers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can check out my book's website at thywillbedonebook.com. Thank you all for joining today. Let's not be lost. Let's make sure we are found in him.